Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snack Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of A Very Stable Podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Reed. On today's episode, we're going to talk about the Colts' loss this weekend to the Washington Commanders, 17-16, to obviously a disappointing outcome for the team. We're also going to get into what happened over the past couple days with the Colts' firing of Marcus Brady, trading of Naheem Hines. We're going to get into next week with the Patriots, and then I'm going to add a little bonus thing there on the end, talking about the news that Dan Snyder uh, and Tanya Snyder have hired a company to potentially sell the Washington Commanders. I think that's some pretty big news I want to get into a little bit later. So to start off this episode, we're going to talk about this Washington game. Obviously, it was disappointing for the Colts. You, know, you expected them to come in and win, especially with Washington starting Taylor Heineke. Although, given that this was Sam Ellinger's first start, you kind of had to temper your expectations on what you might think the Colts offense would be able to do. Surprising for me was that, one, that the Colts were in the lead late. Frank Reich was a little bit uncharacteristic, and he didn't go for it on fourth down. Instead, he punted, put Washington back within the the 20-yard line, within, I think, the 15-yard line for that final drive, and forced Taylor Harnicky to go down the field. Unfortunately, there was obviously the big play to Terry McLaurin, that Stefan Gilmore was right there to to take the ball away in that on that play, but unfortunately wasn't able to make a play on that. And Terry McLaurin, a former a native Hoosier, uh, being from Indianapolis, going to Cathedral High School, I would have loved to have Terry McLaurin here in Indy. But unfortunately, he made the play for the Washington Commanders, put him on the one yard line. Obviously, Taylor Heineke snuck in and put him up seventeen to sixteen. And then you had Michael Pittman, who had an uncharacteristic drop over the middle that would have put the Colts at least closer to field goal range or given them an opportunity to toss in uh, Nick Foles to throw a bomb down, like a, a jump ball Hail Mary to see if maybe the Colts with, I mean, shoot, they've got four guys that are, five guys that are six four and taller. So in any jump ball situation, you got to feel pretty confident about your, your odds there on a Hail Mary. But unfortunately, that just didn't work out for them this week again the defense was solid for the most part um they've been solid ever since week three they've they've kept the colton games generally if you allow 17 points in an nfl game you expect to win unfortunately that obviously didn't happen for the colts this week um the offense has sputtered now twice just like last week uh, against the titans you you allow 19 points you expect to win uh again the, the offense has just struggled quite a bit and so the thing that I was actually surprised with with uh, the entire the offense, I wasn't surprised to see Wright call a very conservative game plan today. I thought or uh, on Sunday, 
I thought that that was expected because obviously Sam Ellinger's first start, you want to get him used to seeing real life game action. I will say this, Sam Ellinger showed some things that I was surprised um, that he had. He, he had an outside throw to Alec Pierce. Pierce made a great diving catch to get the ball. Um, he made a big throw down the middle of the field uh, for 47 yards. They were all uh, pretty much all in the air. Um, there is some question on Ellinger's decision-making. A lot of times, there are easier throws that he can make. For example, that, that Alec Pierce, though. There was, uh, I believe, a tight end going down the middle of the seam that would have been a much easier throw, or Paris Campbell coming across the middle. I don't know where the read was initially on that, but you look at that and you say, all right, these are these are ones that you, you look at the film throughout this week, you go check it out, and you see, okay, in this same situation in the future, this is where I need to look first, and you improve it that way. I was a little surprised in the game plan that they didn't have more run calls for Sam Ellinger because, as we all know, out of Texas, he was more so known as a, a, a mobile quarterback, one that likes to get out of the pocket, likes to run. So I was a little surprised to see Sam Ellinger wasn't moved around more in terms of actually just calling straight running plays for him. So that that was a little surprising. You know, I wish Frank Reich would have not gone to shotgun on on that third and one play that forced him to kick a field goal. I was obviously frustrated with the officials. Um, I don't know if anybody follows me on Twitter, but again, I get frustrated on officials when they are not consistent in a game and you see the Colts get called for some things that the commanders didn't. Uh, and it, that gets frustrating as the game goes along. But yeah, I'm interested to see what they do going forward. I think you're going to see a um, bit of improvement from Sam Ellinger and going into next week, I think they're going to kind of change the way the offense was. And I think that's partly due to something we're going to talk about a little bit later with the firing of Marcus Brady, the offensive coordinator. The defense, again, I thought the defense was solid. I'll tell you this. Um, I had some family and friends that were at the game. Once Taekwon Lewis got injured, and it turns out he tore his patella tendon, which is on the other knee. Uh, weirdly enough, it was the same injury that he had last year against the ten Tennessee Titans. On his interception, he tore the patella tendon in his right knee back then last year. He tore it in his left knee this year. It's just a really unfortunate injury for a guy that had, again, had come back and played really well. So you feel for that because there's a lot that goes into that rehab process and getting yourself back in the game and being able to play again at a high level after suffering one of those injuries. So I feel for Taekwon Lewis, uh, friends and family that were at the game said after that injury, the air just got like let out of the stadium. And so that's really tough for a defense to come back from. Obviously, they never, never recovered. It was clear that the pass rush just wasn't getting there. There after Taekwon Lewis went down, quite honestly, the pass rush has been a bit of an issue all year where it's been really inconsistent, which is the problem, you really want somebody that's going to come in and bring in a consistent pass rush. Yannick has done well in spurts, um, but there are times in games where he disappears, which is frustrating. Uh, you don't really have, outside of Quiddy Pay, who is injured and hopefully is going to be coming back. I, I heard practice reports that he would come back fully practice today. So hopefully he comes back and plays again uh, this week. That would be great. That would be a huge boost for the Colts. But I don't know exactly what their plan is there with him. But overall, I think the defense played well enough. Um, 
Shaq Leonard got an interception, which was huge for him. I think it's big for his confidence because for him to come back, you could tell in that first Tennessee game that he didn't have the confidence in in his body yet and the speed and everything. So he was a step slow on the commander's first touchdown. It looked like that was blown coverage by Shaq Leonard that he was supposed to be covering uh, going out in that flat and just didn't get there. So I wonder if him getting that interception will help give him the confidence because he is such a emotional player. And so you can tell when he plays that it is all emotion from him and he is 100% in when he there's ever any doubt about his physical limitations. You can tell in his style of play because you see him and he's like a little step slow from what you're used to, which is quite honestly probably the same speed as most linebackers in the NFL, but Again, the Colts, we've, we've grown accustomed to Shaq Leonard just flying around the field like a maniac, and he hasn't done that yet. My hope is this week that he comes back and returns to form a little bit from what he did before. Um, but yeah, so we're going to now move on to the big news the past couple days. The Colts firing Marcus Brady, the offensive coordinator there. I think that that's an interesting move. A lot of people have said it's a scapegoat move. I I don't know about that. I, I kind of think it is because Frank Reich is ultimately the one responsible for it. Frank Reich's the one that calls the plays. I think the trouble is we're finding more and more is how much Nick Sirianni meant to Frank Reich as his offensive coordinator. You're seeing so much um, out of Philadelphia with Nick Sirianni being the leader there and being the guy that calls plays, everything like that. You're seeing so much creativity in Philadelphia that you wish you would have seen that here in Indianapolis. And it's pretty clear that Nick Sirianni was the guy for Frank Reich. And Marcus Brady just doesn't have that organization or level of detail um, or really, I don't know what to call it, the creativity that Nick Sirianni had. And so I'm fine with the Colts moving on from him. I, I Quite honestly, with how the offense had gone, so far, I, I was surprised. I'm still surprised that Chris Strausser has a job. He's the offensive line coach, along with the assistant offensive line Kev, coach, Kevin Mawai. I've been a big, big proponent of going out and hire Eugene Chung, who actually has a relationship with Frank Reich, uh, was there with him as the offensive line coach for the Eagles for several years while Frank was the offensive coordinator. So I think that there's a guy that they could go out and get if they really wanted to. Um, but it's it's really frustrating because, again, in the, the press conferences uh, on Wednesday, Frank Reich talked about Chris Strausser and why he wasn't the one to get the axe. And Frank Reich just talked about having faith in him and, you know, we're in the right direction. And, of course, at this point, Frank Reich has used that that phrase, we're going in the right direction, so often that I wonder if he just simply has a broken compass or maybe he's like really he lives close to Hawkins, Indiana. Uh, that would make more sense to me because that compass is giving him all sorts of directions that just simply aren't the right one. And so I, I'm really frustrated about it. Uh, I, I do want to see Frank Reich has said that he is going to take over the offensive coordinator duties. I think that's probably a good thing. I think quite honestly, I think Frank Reich is a better offensive coordinator than I, he is a head coach. Um so, yeah, the other possibility there is to kind of elevate running backs coach Scotty Montgomery. I think that he's a rising star in coaching. I think that he'll get that opportunity. If it's not this offseason, I think he'll get the opportunity this offseason to interview for that offensive coordinator position. I think that he would be a great 
if they're going to stay with this current regime, uh, Frank Reich and company, I think that Scotty Montgomery would be a great, great hire for the Colts there at offensive coordinator. So I, I was interested. I, I, I still feel like Marcus Brady is a bit of a scapegoat in this situation, but I am kind of relieved that they did something because so often it's kind of like that meme where you're like poking at the the thing on the ground saying, do something, do something. That's kind of what Colts fans are doing right now with the Colts as a franchise. Just poke it. Like, come on, do something, move, do something. Um, so, yeah, that's that's where I'm at with the, the firing of, of Marcus Brady. I was, again, surprised that Chris Strausser wasn't the guy to get the axe. Um, but they went with Marcus Brady. And so we'll see how the offense changes from there on. Because Marcus Brady, what the offensive coordinator does currently is they help kind of come across with the game plan. They don't call the plays, but they give the plays. They come up with the plays and come up with the game plan week to week. And so Marcus Brady, obviously... I mean, we all saw it. Like the offensive, the offense has struggled for ever since Nick Sirianni really left. So you know, you had some some good stuff there with last year with Carson Wentz, but how much of that was Carson just being Carson and being able to extend plays, or how much has, was it just this other thing going on? Um, you know, it's it's just tough. So I hope Marcus Brady gets an opportunity. I hope he goes back and, and does it, becomes another quarterback coach. I think he did well there. I just He just wasn't ready to be an offensive coordinator just yet. So now we're going to move on and talk about the Colts trading Naheem Hines. That's a big thing uh, for, for everybody here in Indianapolis, and everybody really loved Naheem Hines uh, and all that. Naheem Hines was traded to Buffalo. Uh, for Zach Moss and a conditional six-round pick that could turn into a fifth-round pick. I still haven't heard the conditions on that, so I don't know whether it's a playing time thing or a touch thing or how Buffalo advances to the playoffs thing. So we'll see what that that turns into in terms of that condition. But overall, you know, Naeem Hines gets traded. Everybody was probably, at least all the fans that I know of, were pretty disappointed by that. It's pretty understandable why they would be disappointed. I think what really bothers people about Naeem Hines being traded is that he was such a good player for the community. Um, unfortunately, I could see why his frustration would mount. And rumors were that he allegedly asked to be traded. And so Colts did, uh, I think the the Colts, Chris Ballard and, and the front office did him a solid by trading him to a contender. Uh, the reports were that it was Buffalo, Philadelphia and the Los Angeles Rams that were interested in him. I would have loved to see him go to Philadelphia and to be paired again with Nick Sirianni. I think that that would be a perfect combination for him out there. I do love the fit for him in Buffalo. I think that finally having a quarterback that is set for him is going to be great. He made a comment in the offseason talking about how the Colts continually had quarterback after quarterback after quarterback. And so you've got guys specifically talking about Tennessee with Ryan Tannehill that had had him be the quarterback for them since Naeem came into the league and how easy it was for them to develop that relationship, that rapport with Ryan Tannehill there in Tennessee versus how difficult it is has been for the Colts for year after year after year having to go through the process every single year with a new quarterback trying to get used to them. And so I understand Naeem Hines' frustration. And if he asked for a trade, I think that the Colts did him probably the best thing possible in trading him to Buffalo, where quite honestly, he's going to be, he's going to be used 
really, really well in Buffalo. I, and I'm really excited. I've got friends that are Buffalo Bills fans, uh, and they're going to love him. Uh, he, again, was a fantastic person, fantastic for the community, everything like that. He's just a, a really good dude, and I wish Naheem Hines the best. Hello, I'm Neil Patel, the editor-in-chief of The Verge and host of Decoder, a business podcast where I interview CEOs about big ideas, the problems that come from those ideas, and how they make decisions. It is also surprisingly about org charts. It comes up a lot. We're launching a new limited series that we're calling the Centennial Series, where I talk to CEOs of companies that are over 100 years old, like Xerox, Barnes & Noble, and more. There's no 100-year-old company that's without its struggles, and it's been fascinating to talk to these CEOs about which parts of these companies' history are important and which parts they can let go. A little spoiler for you, if a company is over 100 years old, there's a lot of drama to talk about. It's been a good time. You can listen to the Centennial series right in the Decoder feed. New episodes of Decoder are out on Tuesday, and the Centennial series is out on Thursdays. Check it out. We think you're really going to like it. You can get it wherever you get your podcasts. Most of the time, we talk about tech in terms of a handful of gigantic companies like Google, Meta, and Apple. But some of the most interesting stuff we find online is the product of a single person. When you're working on your own, I think there's this beauty of being able to come up with an idea and then implement it. Then, in that moment, you don't have to have permission from someone else. There's no red tape. In the Vergecast series, Solo Acts, we'll get to know these people, the tech they use to get stuff done, and the obstacles they face trying to compete with the giants. Some people that I talk to and my friends are like, you know, your competitors are Zuckerberg and Musk. Like, aren't you kind of, like, afraid of that? Every Monday, our friend Ashley Escada will be curating and hosting these interviews and sharing with us what she's learned. I can't believe the McRib locator was originally a tornado locator. Right. <laughs> Pretty wild. Listen to our Solo Acts miniseries now in the Vergecast feed, anywhere you find podcasts. That said, people were talking about, oh, well, now the Colts are, are tanking. The Colts are tanking because they traded Naheem Hines. No, I don't think so. Uh, and I'll, I'll explain it this way. If I thought that the Colts were tanking, I think they would have been much bigger sellers than selling off a running back that had gotten six touches about per game this season, despite the fact that this offseason Frank Reich said that you know people should go ahead and invest in Neem Hines in fantasy because they thought that he was going to be a big part of the offense and get you know, 10, 15 touches a game, and he only got six. And so, and he did a lot with those six touches whenever he would get them, as long as they weren't running him right into the back of the, the line of scrimmage, uh, right in the back of the offensive lineman. Uh, Naheem Hines did well, but he didn't get the touches. And so his frustration with his usage was understandable. And quite honestly, if the Colts were really looking to sell and continually to sell and, and really, really tank, I think you would have seen guys like Ryan Kelly get traded. I would think you would have seen guys like Yannick Ngakwe, Stefan Gilmore, Kenny Moore, uh, Matt Ryan potentially. Um, and quite honestly, you know, they didn't do that. You had people that teams that were reaching out about the availability of players. But if the Colts are really, really tanking, then they're not going to just sell off guys for and they're not willing to sell off guys for just on the cheap. And if they were tanking, they would have just sold those guys to got the draft pick compensation to give them an opportunity to go ahead and do a little bit more in the draft going forward. And don't get me wrong, if I did think that they were tanking, I there like I mentioned before, there's a number of guys that I think would have been 
really quality candidates to trade. Um, for example, Roquan Smith got traded for a second round pick and a fifth round pick. You look at that and you say, okay, well, if Roquan Smith is worth a second round pick and he's got like no all pros and no, no, no he's not like, a, he's not a Shaq Leonard type of player. So if the Colts really were in full on tank mode, you trade a guy like Shaq Leonard. I, you eat that cap space because you know next year you're going to end up having to get a rookie quarterback or you're going to be rolling with Sam Ellinger, probably a rookie quarterback. And you want to get as much draft capital as you can to be able to move up in the draft, especially after the Washington Commanders put Carson Wentz on IR, which puts in jeopardy the Colts' opportunity to get that what would ultimately have been a high second-round pick from the Washington Commanders. Now it's going to be a high third-round pick. So the Colts in that situation should have, if they're tanking, again, this is big if, if they were tanking, they would have traded Shaq Leonard probably to a team for like a first-round pick. I don't think that's out of the question. I mean, you saw Roquan Smith, who is about to get paid, about to get a big contract, and he went for a second and a fifth. I think I don't think it's out of the question that you would send uh, a guy like Darius Leonard or Shaq Leonard and get a first-round pick and recoup him if you were tanking. I think you could have traded Yannick Ngakwe probably for – fourth round pick you know an early day three pick maybe a late day two pick you could have traded ryan kelly probably for a late day or for a day two pick probably round two round three pick something like that you could have traded matt ryan for example which i I think they probably should do to be honest i think they should have traded matt ryan and give him an opportunity with a contender but they could have traded him for a fourth round pick fifth round pick sixth round pick something some some kind of draft draft capital and you, you, you've got these guys that you could have moved. I mean, shoot, if, if you're really looking to sell off and tank for a quarterback, then you need to probably look at, you know, potentially trading Jonathan Taylor. But they're not tanking. I mean, you could have probably pulled a first-round pick for Jonathan Taylor, to be totally honest. And that's a running back. Running backs are, are pretty, you know, Jonathan Taylor is unique and that he is one of the top three top two top running back when healthy um the offensive line hasn't helped him this year and it's caused him to be injured and now has a sprained ankle hopefully the offensive line gets fixed but you you know they're not tanking because they didn't do any of those moves and and i don't think that they are tanking and i think that they're just hedging right now and it's like what i said last week i think they are hedging their bets because if you look at the rest of the season the colts you look at it and you go, okay, well, the Colts very clearly have like one win out of those last, I think, nine games. So when you're looking at this and you go, okay, you've got nine games and you've got one potential win in there, and that's the last game of the season against Houston, you sit there and go, okay, well, where where else are they going to get wins at? If you look at the, the rest of the year, you've got maybe – this week in New England, but they're already starting off as home home on or they're already starting off as underdogs there against New England. So what what do you do? You you've got nine games left. You you've got you know the Giants. We thought we all thought the Giants were going to be pushovers this year, and they're not. They're they're six and one right now. I, I think, and, and so or six and one, seven and one, six and two, something like. They're really they're pretty good. You know, the, the Eagles, you thought, 
you know, there was going to be a tough game. You thought the Raiders were going to be a tough game. Of course, it's at Las Vegas, so you never know how teams are going to play in their home fields. But you go through this. If, if the Colts don't get a win at New England or maybe Las Vegas, um, you, that's, you're now looking at 3-5-1. Eagles are going to be a loss. Um, Pittsburgh Steelers Monday night, maybe that's a win. So that's that's another game in there they might be able to swipe. Dallas, probably a loss when it's at Dallas. At Minnesota, that's probably a loss. Los, Los Angeles Chargers, that's probably a loss. Now at the New York Giants on January 1st, which means that you're looking playing outdoors in the rough weather, potentially, against the New York Giants, that's probably going to be a loss. I don't feel great about where this team is headed. Uh, in terms of this season, you know, you've got the last game against Houston Texans being a home game. That's that's about the only game that you look at and you say, yeah, I feel pretty confident they're going to win that. And ultimately, if they don't, if they end up going on like a really significant losing streak here and losing now to the Titans and the Commanders, they legit could lose eight straight games, which would be a 10 game losing streak after beating the Kansas City Chiefs. And the Denver Broncos on a short re- week, and then beating the Jacksonville Jaguars, like that's wild to me. Like this, the inconsistency of this team is wild to me. But again, you look at this team, and and you can tell they're not tanking by the fact that they didn't sell off a bunch of guys. But you also can tell they're not really trying to win either, because if they were really trying to win, they would have traded for a right guard. They would have traded, you know, they would have traded for you know, a guy like Bradley Chubb, or, or at least reached out, or they would have gone and gotten a guy that, that could really help them. Ultimately, I think the, the biggest question mark that we all have for this Colts team is the offensive line. The fact that they didn't go out and trade for a right guard when Matt Pryor has... I, I can't tell you how many how many times I've watched film on the Colts and Matt Pryor is, like, looking at the quarterback. Now... The problem is you never want your offensive lineman to be looking at the quarterback because that means their defensive lineman is all the way around them and they're looking at the quarterback going, oh no, I'm so sorry. And that just is like, it's wild to me that Matt Pryor is still playing. This is why, again, I thought Chris Strasser was going to be the one that gets the ax and not Marcus Brady, but obviously that didn't go that way. But yeah, so I think this team right now, is just in a really frustrating state of purgatory. And it's really un- it's really frustrating as a Colts fan because they should be good. They've got a lot of great players. But they didn't address the left tackle position in the offseason. They let their right guards go in Chris Reed and Mark Lewinsky. They went and got Matt Ryan, which I thought I thought was a good was a good move to start the season. But it's not panned out because, again, they didn't address the offensive line. They tried to address the pass rush with Yannick Ngakwe, and every once in a while he'll get home and, and cause tra- cause trouble. They, they addressed Stephon Gilmore. They addressed the cornerback position with Stephon Gilmore, who has played great. Quite honestly, you know, two out of the three um, Colts wins have been directly as a result of Stephon Gilmore making a play. I think he's been a fantastic addition. It's probably Chris Ballard's best free agent signing, um, which is – not saying much. He hasn't he hasn't delved too much into free agency outside of like Danico Autry. But it's just frustrating because it's 
they just seem happy to be toiling around. And quite honestly, as Colts fans, we've come grown accustomed to a certain standard of living. We have been kind of spoiled in the fact that we are just consistently winners in Indianapolis. And so when we are taken out of that standard of living that we're used to, we get really frustrated and we have to maybe temper expectations a little bit for what the remainder of the season is going to be because I don't think it's going to be pretty based on how the offense is playing and the fact that they've already named Sam Ellinger the starter for the rest of the season. So who knows? Sam Ellinger might end up developing into a great quarterback. I don't have a ton of faith in that because there are still limitations I do think that if he can fix a couple of those things, I think he could be a very salvageable backup quarterback or or high-end backup quarterback. But I just don't see him being a guy. Because in today's NFL, you need the guy. You need a guy like Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, uh, Jalen Hurts. You you need Justin Herbert, Joe Burrow. So many quarterbacks. You need a guy. You need the guy. And quite honestly, Sam Ellinger, is, he's a good guy. He really is, but he's not the guy. And he's not a guy that's going to lead you to the Super Bowl. He's not going to lead you past what you've got going on in in the AFC North, what you've got going in the AFC West. Quite honestly, you know, you, Trevor Lawrence is playing better too. In, or the AFC East, you know, two is playing well. Zach Wilson's kind of figuring it out. The Jets are okay. So you've got a lot of lot of guys that you've got to jump and you've got to get a quarterback to do it. Sam Ellinger, I just that first game, he was good. He wasn't great. Maybe he develops into something with more time, but some of the same limitations that you saw coming out uh, in the draft are still there. So hopefully they can fix that if they can't. I see this team just kind of middling around. You don't be surprised if this team loses 10 straight games. To be totally honest with you, I think at that point, then Frank Reich's probably gone. Or don't be surprised if they lose to New England and Las Vegas and then somehow to be be the team that knocks off the Philadelphia Eagles from being undefeated. Because that also wouldn't surprise me with this team. They make no sense. It makes no sense uh, who they beat and who they lose to. There's just no consistency from week to week. And again, that to me, that falls on Frank Reich uh, as the coach. So I, again, I, I was... I'm frustrated with you all. Um, we're all in the same boat on this. Uh, I don't think that they are sellers um, at the trade deadline by by trading name Hines. Uh, I think that if they were sellers, they would have traded away Yannick Ngakwe, Shaq Leonard, Ryan Kelly, Matt Ryan, potentially Stefan Gilmore. I think they would have traded away a lot more assets than what they did. Uh, I think it was just a unique situation with Naeem that he wanted a new, a fresh start with someplace else that was going to give him the opportunities. And Chris Ballard did right by him and moved him to a team that would do right by him. So, yeah. Looking up to this next game, we're going against the uh, New England Patriots. The Colts are going against the New England Patriots at New England. Uh, I believe right now the Colts are currently six-and-a-half-point uh, underdogs in this. The New England, uh, six-and-a-half. Um, so, yeah, that's not great because New England's a big mess in terms of how they're playing. Mac Jones has been terrible. Uh, Bradley Zapp, who knows what he's going to – that that seems to be a big thing in New England right now is Zapp. Um, yeah, I, I don't I don't know what to tell you. Um, 
Bill Belichick always seems to come up with a really great game plan against the Colts. So it'll be interesting to see what his defense throws at Sam Ellinger because he's going to do his best to confuse a young quarterback. The biggest thing to me for a takeaway in this game is going to be the turnover battle. If the Colts can win the turnover battle, I think they're going to stand a shot in this game. If they end up having multiple fumbles like they did against Washington, if they can't convert in the red zone like they didn't against Washington, there were several several times they got into the red zone and fumbled the ball away and didn't come away with any points, which would have been helpful since they only lost by one. I think the Colts are going to potentially lose this game if they can't keep a hold of the ball. And they've got to win the turnover battle. If they don't do that, I think that they they probably shoot themselves in the foot like they have pretty much consistently all year. So, yeah, um, the last thing I want to bring up is there is uh, news on Wednesday that Dan Snyder and Tanya Snyder had hired Bank of America Securities to look into options of selling the Washington uh, commanders. I think that is great for the NFL. I think it's great for Washington fans because Washington fans, people don't know this, but they are very passionate about their team. My wife was an Eagles fan for years. It's really interesting to see their fans and how they've kind of devolved over the past decade because 10 years ago, they were like really into it. Not so much anymore. And so I think it's great for Washington to end up selling the team I think Dan Snyder needs to get out. There wasn't explicitly saying he was going to sell the team, but it's just that they were going to look into possible transactions about the team. So maybe they're selling a minority stake in it. Maybe they're selling the majority stake in it. I don't know. I, I, my guess is he's still going to want to keep a hold of a percentage so he can still say he's an owner because ego matters to him. But my hope is that he ends up selling this team because I think that that's going to be the best for the Washington franchise as a whole. As a whole. But yeah. All right, that's it for this episode of A Very Stable Podcast. Again, I'm your host, Stephen Reed. You can follow me on Twitter at NiceReadSteve. You can check out the podcast at A Very Stable Pod. Check out all the work over at Stampede Blue on stampedeblue.com. And go and remember to rate and review us five stars if you get that opportunity. Thank you all. Hope to talk to you next week after Big Colts win. 